Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities. And though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. This week on the Legion Clubhouse, the return of the Dark Circle. Dun, dun, dun. Action Comics number 390, The Tyrant and the Traitor. Published July 1970. Written by E. Nelson Bridwell with art by Wynn Mortimer and Jack Abel. Synopsis. The Dark Circle attempting to overthrow a planet looks like a job for the Espionage Squad. The Tyrant and the Traitor, Matthew. Oh, this is like... The way I read this, where mm-hmm. we have two different opposing factions. You have President Parala of the planet Alaham, and then you also have uh, Dial Mazarin, uh, who is his arch-rival, and secretly right. working with the Dark Circle, which the Dark Circle returns. And, and of course, here they're called the Evil Empire. This really feels like as you read the history of these two factions and what they're doing, it literally sounds like the buildup to what became the Vietnam war in that when you go in and read the history of the events leading up to the Vietnam war, here's a a person who was put in place by a power. And then you had this uh, insurgent group that was supposed to be good and doing the thing that was supposed to liberate the country. And then they turned right around and caused all sorts of troubles It was very fascinating, especially when this one comes out in 1970. This is, you know, several years after the Vietnam War has already started. But I just found these weird parallels to how the Vietnam War started and the U.S. government's involvement in Vietnam to kind of paralleled very eerily in the first two pages of this issue. You see, I I kept getting, uh, especially with the pseudo Spanish name like Perilla, I was I was getting kind of a Cuban Revolution vibe. And I'm looking at Mazarin, and I'm like, is this guy meant to be Fidel <laughs> to Castro? Be Castro? That would be really weird. I mean, but on the on the plus side, you may be you may be right in that um this evil empire called the Dark Circle could be an equivalent to to Russia. But uh for me, the well, first I, thing that struck is I just finished watching the um Vietnam uh documentary from yeah. uh, Ken Burns, and a lot of these things they're talking about just kind of felt like it. Uh, flared up on me. But by this time, you have to remember that Castro is no longer by this time. We're all, he's all, almost a decade plus into right. his into his uh, reign of, of Cuba that he would not be the, the traitor character. I mean, even though he's got the beard and has that look, they'd really have to be diving back into some ancient history uh, for but comic book readers to try to make that Cuban revolution. Sixty nine would have been the ten year anniversary, and Castro did make a big deal 
about in early 69 about celebrating his administration's 10 years. And I looked at Perala has, you know, the big shiny military uniform. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, is, is he meant to be Fulgencio Batista? I don't know. But I think it's interesting that we both took that real world parallel and were able to take it to different places, which kind of makes it feel to me like this is just a successful story on that level because you're able to read so much more into it. And we're so used to a Nelson Bridwell story being, you know, pretty much nothing but, hey, did you see this? Oh, good. It turns out that it's actually the MacGuffin that will save the universe. Uh, uh, wait, 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 wait. Don't get ahead of yourself there, Matthew. <laughs> this, is a, this is a Nelson Bridwell uh, issue. And uh, surprise, shock, ladies and gentlemen, it is a two-parter. So uh, kind of be prepared for that. But I guess the only reason why I went to Vietnam was mainly because that was what was going on. And right. everything kind of leading up to that, people probably would be talking about this a lot more. And I think perhaps the uh, the the analogy or the allusion to that might be a little more fresh in people's minds. Now, that being said, having read other Bridwell stories, do I think Bridwell is clever enough to make a <laughs> Vietnam or even a, a Cuban revolution uh, reference in here? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, but I think he's he's one of those guys who writes in a very old school golden age style where if he's got a really heavy handed, you know, message to tell, mm -hmm. I feel like he wants to camouflage it. If you've read his stuff like The Inferior 5 is full of social commentary, but it's all couched as really bad vaudeville jokes. So, if you look at it and you're like, "Well, that's a stupid joke," and then you think, "Wait a minute, that's actually kind of smart, and he's he's clearly making a point, but it's hard to get past sometimes the yeah. you know, those Bridwell touches. Yeah, I don't know. Now, I, is this the first two parter of the action backup era? Because I can't remember a two parter. I don't remember if it is or not. One of our listeners will probably cue us or clue us in. I want to say no. I want to say we did another two parter, but I may just be thinking of the two parter Superman story. One of the things that I also noticed in this issue and going forward for the next uh, at least four issues, the next two or three episodes of the Legion uh, Clubhouse, is that these backup stories of the Legion are super, super short. They feel shorter than normal. I think they're the same 10 pages. They, they may be, they may be, but I just read this and I was like, wow, that was very quick. And it could be we're because sure when we were under the shooter era, we had smaller panels. These have a lot more bigger panels. Um, a lot more is being covered, in, you know, big jumps in time and everything. So maybe that's what I'm reading it, but man, they feel very, very short, like super yeah. short. I love the intro, though, of this episode. When a job comes up that must be done secretly but efficiently, a task that only the greatest troubleshooting force would dare to tackle, it's handled to the Legion's espionage squad. This time, the ES is poised between two men, hated foes, locked in combat, and the heroes must see that both lose. It just feels like... It just feels like an A-team intro. If, you if, you need help, like if you need help and you can find them, perhaps you can hire the espionage squad. Dun, dun. I'm sitting here going, because it feels like, even to the point where we start up and Chameleon Boy is like, I'm going to look at this dossier and I'll bring up the specific yes. agents that uh -huh. I want to come with me. And I'm just like, I'm waiting for the tape to explode. I'm thinking totally mission impossible yeah i can see that again because mission impossible ran what 66 to 73 so this is right yep. in the middle of the height of mission impossible yep again i would give shooter a lot more credit 
for a Mission Impossible thing. <laughs> and I again, I, I don't really have anything against Bridwell, except a lot of his stories just kind of fall flat for me. So again, for him to not only mix a either Vietnam or Cuban Revolution reference to this, as well as making a pop culture reference to the Mission Impossible uh, TV show, that's that's maybe going a little bit too far. <laughs> I think so. Take you, one you or the other, but you can't have both. Nope, I want both. No, nope, you can't that, have that. I'm going to say that Brainiac 5's haircut is oh a God, prescient there's... reference to Ray Liotta in this issue <laughs> because he's definitely got the big hair. Well, you know, you might be a little bit more right in the Mission Impossible because we do have Chameleon Boy who is tasked with uh, leading this this mission. He does change, you know, his face. He does have the rubber mask that he essentially pulls off so he can right. impersonate the captain of these uh, rebel gun runners. And so that he can impersonate the leader of the uh, the group. I will say I, I did enjoy uh, the espionage aspect of this and the fact that the gun runners are just bringing like crap weapons to mm-hmm. these to these rebels in the jungle. And they're just like, oh, man, these are like 30 year old weapons. How, how dare you do this? So I really like a lot of the setup. Plus, there's a little bit of science in this. They uh, they come up with these uh, these characters called the humanoids or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're just called humanoids. These weird humanoids. When they punch them, they like pop like balloons, but then all their little parts start reforming into new humanoids, which is just creep show factor by itself, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, can you imagine the how quickly you would be overrun by these things just by blowing up like six of them into a million pieces? Yeah, it would be terrible. It would be like if the cat fell and then turned into two cats. Yes. You're just like, oh, that's terrible. Yeah, so we get a little bit of starfish science in here because they're like, hmm, these things regrow just like a starfish. If you cut off one of their arms, they regrow another one. The thing you don't know is that the other arm doesn't grow a new starfish. Right. That's that's the thing that's a little off in here. Also, there's a little bit of science bit when they're talking about the solar system and uh, how the solar system works. Yeah, Nelson is good for those little flashback kind of tidbits, and I yeah, really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, and I think for a future science-y kind of comic book, that kind of stuff is rather important. Yeah, that definitely works in a Legion context, especially with how much, you know, wild, weird uh, laser guns and flying cars and stuff. Mm-hmm. You really want to have just a little of that, even if some of it is like, you know, the the thing with the, the starfish what you call the comic book science mm-hmm. where it's all those little moments that you get in the back of an issue of popular mechanics. Did you know <laughs> that if you light a duck on fire, you it'll hurt the duck duck, f- duck flambe. So part of the team goes with the insurgents to deal with the guy who's part of the dark circle group. I guess we can call him Castro, I guess Beer- Beardo. We'll call him El Beardo. And the guy just is like, Oh no, I'm totally milking this for, all I can get. I live in lavish luxury while my freedom fighting brothers live in these rocks in the ground and my women make out with my enemies nonstop. <laughs> they kind of do actually, which is fine because one of them is apparently dating the person whose faced chameleon boy has taken on. And he's like, Oh man, the things I go through for the Legion. I, why don't I get more assignments like this? He he was just kissing an alien girl like two issues ago. Yeah, he was. It was the girl that uh, looked like the love uh, from the other dimension. From the other dimension. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got like more girls. He's got moves. Yeah. Apparently, at least in the action era. 
So while the group is dealing with the rebels, Saturn Girl goes to Capital City to see if she Cuevas. can infiltrate the... Cuevas. Is that where it is? Yes, that is right. She goes to Egg, Egg, Egg City. Yes. She goes to Egg City, and that is where she bumps into their lead scientist. But apparently there's been so much inbreeding on this backwards planet that no one is smart. So the head scientist is like, oh, man, if I could only find somebody smart. Hey, look at that girl. She looks smart. Hey, Chicky, come and be a, uh, a scientist with me. She telepathically insists. She she psychically tells him to yes. consider her based on her credentials. Uh, she's wearing a very short skirt, but I don't think that really helps. Um, you'd be surprised. And you know, it's the planet, the city of eggs, and he is an egghead. He so. does have a bald head. He does look yeah. like an egghead. But the problem is, Saturn Girl, while she's too busy, she's too busy projecting thoughts into other people's head. She's not reading the minds of those around her because there's someone in this mm. very building who knows who she is. I already know her very well. <gasps> If you enjoy the show, we would appreciate your support. You can find out more and become a Legion Clubhouse member at patreon.com slash major spoilers. It's really weird reading these Bridwell issues, Matthew, because it really feels like the series has taken a very different turn since Shooter left. It's definitely the end of an era. Uh, we are on the cusp of major changes, and it's kind of leeching into the story in ways that you don't really expect, both story-wise and art-wise, it's like we're in a weird kind of lacuna where it's not quite what it was, and it's not quite what it becomes in a few issues when, you know, you have your Dave Cockrum 70s Legion really mm -hmm. kick in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so it's, we are, for our listeners who aren't aware of the history of the Legion of Superheroes, we are on the final two issues, 391 and 392, and 392 will be the next episode of the Legion Clubhouse. But this is essentially the end of the Legion in Action Comics. First, they're bumped to a eight-page backup. And then they're about to move over to Superboy yeah, as a backup. Where they think, as a, I believe, a 10-page backup when we mm -hmm. start there. Yeah. So that'll be very, very interesting. But there's also something else that's going on that is going to hit... Uh, in the next episode, but I kind of wanted to talk about it now because these are things that have been percolating over in DC Comics for a while, and that is not only change in where the characters are having their stories taking place, where, um, you know, who the creators are of these series, but we're also about to see major costume changes for our characters, and I thought... Matthew, while we'll talk about the, the costume change when they appear, and they'll appear in two different episodes, mm. when the costume changes appear, I want to talk about that. But this was not something that the artist just thought up overnight when Mortimer or George Tuska just thought up overnight, hey, we need to change these costumes out. This was mm. something that DC kind of did as a publicity stunt or as a, a competition. Yeah, well, and... We jump over a lot of issues that don't have any new Legion content. And one of the issues that we either have or are about to skip, depending on whether you're looking at it, you know, continuity wise as the way they were actually printed or the chronological way that they make sense. Mm -hmm. uh, Adventure Comics number 403 actually has reader submitted costumes for the Legion of Superheroes. 
Uh, some of them are hideous, uh, seriously, completely ugly. The rest of that issue is all reprints of classic Legion tales. Uh-huh. So, you know, you go back and it's the tale where Lightning Lad dies and the return of Lightning Lad, the sacrifice of the Legionnaires, bravest Legionnaires, a lot of stuff, you know, going back to that early adventure era. Mm-hmm. But they also have, uh, and it's the first appearance of the costume that everybody really, really loves for Saturn Girl. Yeah, we'll talk is, about that. But yeah, I mean, that's coming out. I mean, we are literally, I think it is, it is next. Like next issue. It's the next episode. Yeah. But there's also alternate looks coming up that we'll see from Adventure 403 in action for Karate Kid, Princess Projectra. And interestingly, one of the costumes is the one that becomes Duo Damsel's best known look in the 70s. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So essentially what DC said is, hey, kids, why don't you tell us what costumes you want or draw, (laughs) draw pictures of what you think these characters will be like in their new costumes, right? Yep. And so people submitted them and DC went through and, and picked those out. So while we're using this little middle segment, I, I'm just wanting people to know that there is, you know, the shooter era was a huge change. Now we're about ready to go into another huge change for the Legion. And there are some good parts about this. There are some bad parts about this, in my opinion. I think the the big thing is that change is a coming. And whether readers realize it or not, it's going to be here. Before they know it. Yeah. Seventies are always full of change. Action Comics number 390. The Ordeal of Element Lad. Published August 1970. Written by E. Nelson Bridwell with art by Wynne Mortimer and Jack Abel. Synopsis. Can the Legion help a group of rebels overthrow their tyrannical leader? Action Comics 391, part two of this story. And when we last left off, Saturn Girl had gone into uh, Egg City looking for a job, and somebody there knew who she was. Yes, her identity was known. However, not her secret identity. It's actually a really nice use of a kind of a goofy silver age cliffhanger in that it turns out that this woman doesn't just does not know her as Saturn girl. Mm -hmm. She remembers her as Imra Ardeen. Right. They went to college together back on Titan. Okay. This is, I want people to remember that part since we both left Saturn after graduation from college, two major problems with that. Well, One is, I want people to remember the college part for the next episode. The fact that Saturn Girl is a college graduate. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I want to point out is, and she may technically still be 19, but you have to be a teenager to be in the Legion of Superheroes. Well, it's the future. And I want to say that the Legionnaires were sort of kind of supposed to be 14 or 15 when they Mm -hmm. established the team. Mm-hmm. So if you figure it's been a year or two since then, Imra is probably 17 now. College may mean different things in different parts of the world, too. I'm not That's sure if college true, means. But college typically is post-high school. Typically, most people graduate high school 17 or 18. College in the United States is either two or four years, depending on whether you're going to a technical college or a technical school, or right. if you're going to a four-year university-type college. 
a state college or a you know kind of thing. So if they've graduated college, that would put her at like 21, 22, 23. What if she's a genius? And I mean, she, she could, I mean, she could be, she could be, but I'm just saying that this one line or this one word balloon in this one page is going to affect my views on an upcoming episode when we talk about costumes. All right. And if it is, if we're going to accept that all of these kids are college age, then we got some problems with the bylaws of the, the Legion of Superheroes, <laughs> which, in my opinion, is, is, is a bigger problem than that hasn't been addressed. But again, we have to remember that from continuity standpoint, people probably don't even remember the original bylaws of the Legion. These kids are already out of college themselves by now. Uh, if they haven't been reading this since they were seven or eight, since, you know, it's been 20 years since the appearance of these these characters. Yep. Um, so, you know, some of those bylaw issues may not be an issue. But as soon as I saw graduation from college, I was like, that means she's like in her 20s. She shouldn't be in the Legion. Even with that in play, I have to say, and, you know, we said this about the last chapter. This is one of the stronger stories of the action backup era. Even in when you take into account, you know, oh, what a coincidence. It turns out that the evil place that we need to infiltrate happens to have your old college buddy. Yeah. I'll put an asterisk on that. It really works. Even with moments like, you know, last issue we had, hey, let's paint the ships black so they're hard to see in space. Oh, my like, God. You guys are geniuses. I mean, but, but I mean, okay, that in itself is kind of genius because what are stealth fighters painted as? You know, jets or, you know, uh, in, in World War II – you would paint the top of the aircraft uh, kind of brownish colors so it would blend in with the ground if you were flying over. But then the undersides were usually painted or sometimes painted white so that they would blend in with the sky. So right. to paint it black and to look at stealth aircraft, even though they're covered with polycarbonates and, and other things, the fact that stealth aircraft are black and the Legion are trying to infiltrate a uh, gunrunner ship all black, that's kind of kind of genius. It it really is, and this issue actually starts with one of the smoothest expositional sequences we've ever seen in a Legion tale, where Element Lad and Brainiac and, and uh, Karate Kid and Timberwolf are part of the rebel leader's troops, and he's like, so, you work for the Dark Circle, eh? And Timberwolf was like, yeah, we totally got here, and he then recaps last issue's story mm -hmm. and tells them, well, tells him one thing, and then we actually hear or see the things that he doesn't want them to know, like Element Lad using his powers right. rather than actually these being super weapons. And it's really perfectly streamlined. It's one page. You get everything you need to know if you missed issue 390. And I really enjoy the fact that even though everyone is dressed a little bit like they walked out of Monos the Hands of Fate, yeah. The story is just so, I mean, it's, it's clockwork. It's boom, 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 boom. Now we're moving on to the next bit. Uh, I will agree with you that it's, it's timed very well. It's edited very well. I don't know. There's something about it where it maybe fits too perfectly mm -hmm. uh, to where at no, the only point it seems like where they're going to be caught is Saturn girl. That's right. the only point where you feel any real jeopardy because the rest of it is element lad going, oh, I'm just going to change the elemental composition of these guys and make everyone think that my gun is working 
and, you know, mowing down these these humanoids. And then when it comes time to get uh, the rebels to turn on their leader, I'm going to turn all the gold into rocks. And boy, I'm sure tired now. Give me a blanket and a place to lay my head and I will recuperate as we go home. I don't know that they sold it as well as they could have, but I felt like there is a real sense of jeopardy yeah. in Element Lad overtaxing his powers. And we've seen this. This is interesting in these last two issues. Element Lad has used eye beams in the past and gestured with his hands. Mm-hmm. But in these undercover stories, he's doing this thing where his element powers he's doing seem a Jean to just Grey. emit from his forehead. Yeah, he's doing a Gene Gray, right? Yeah, and it's interesting to see that. It's to me, it makes me wonder if the hand thing is just an affectation or just something that he uses to focus I'm his a, power. I'm a showman. Of course, I want people to see that I'm using yeah. my my hands to do this when really it's I'm all in my head. And that's that's really neat. I kind of like that, although I don't know that it ever becomes the plot point that I want it to be, that he uses his powers in weird ways because it's psychosomatic. But it's interesting to see how well this team works in an actual kind of counterintelligence super spy No, I, I, I really enjoy the fact that we do get to see them being a team and we get to see them working together and the fact that Chameleon Boy picked uh, these people, and for the most part, everyone had a role to play and actually did something in the role. Now, one could argue that Timberwolf and Karate Kid were maybe less useful in this mission because all they did was create more trouble. But then, what was it? Timberwolf had a little bit of the humanoid goo on his hands that uh, Karate Kid, yeah, that Brainiac wanted to scrape off, and it's like, yeah, okay. So everybody kind of strength came in handy when element lad could no longer walk. So oh, his yes, job to, was to carry him. Yeah. He's not heavy. He's my, he's my element lad. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Overall, I think it was a successful story. Mm-hmm. It really is a different turn from what we've seen before. I mean, this is, and, and maybe that is nice because as we get more espionage squad stories in the future, we take a more serious high adventure uh, thriller take on the Legion of Superheroes, and then other times we can have romance, and then maybe mm-hmm. other times we can have some general hijinks type stuff. This is definitely, it doesn't feel like a science fiction story, mm-hmm. which a lot of Legion stories do. You know, Super Moby Dicks of Space and Sun Eaters and such right. are very much science fiction y tropes. Right. So having this be just kind of a standard spy story really kind of works for me, even though it's got all of these little hats on it to make it more, yeah. more legiony. Yeah. 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 It's fine. It's fine. Some big stuff is coming though, down the pipe and uh, we'll talk about that next episode. We've come to the end of another meeting of the Legion clubhouse. And when you have short backup stories, you have shorter episodes than what we are normally used to doing. But we hope you've enjoyed our discussions this week. Matthew, what have we learned this week? We've learned that these humanoids and Mantis Morlos chemoids from Adventure 362 are very similar, and somebody owes somebody some money in patents. Marley Zorg, I'm sure we'll see more of her in the future. And we never heard from her again. <laughs> And finally this week, I think we've learned that, uh, yeah, you can tell interesting stories with some modern connotations that don't have to take place in the far, far, far future of science fiction. 
And I think that's where we're going to wrap it up this week. Thank you so much, everyone, for being part of our Adventures of the Legion Clubhouse. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please share some comments over at the Apple Podcast. If you would want more from Major Spoilers, then certainly head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers, where your contributions unlocks more awesome things just for you. That's where we're going to end it this week. Thank you again. And until next time, I am Humanoid. And I am Meteor Attractor Boy. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2019 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.